We're in our series this morning. We've been on entitled The Nature of Love. Understanding the love of God and understanding the importance of walking in the love that God is. In, in, in our first message on this, we talked about three different types of love. And what we're, what we're focusing in on in the last couple of messages is the love that God is, the agape love. The unconditional love, the no strings attached love that God is. 1 John 4 and 7 says that God is love. So if God is love, then love is God. Every time you see love and you see God in the Bible, you can interchange the two words because they're one and the same. You can't separate God and love. God doesn't walk in love. God is love. And now we're, we've been not given you know, an, an option to do but we've, given, we've been given a commandment to walk in love, to love other people. And to do that, we've got to understand love. It's not something that we just go through the motions. And, and actually, this unconditional love that God is is something that is very foreign to most people because we've not been taught how to love people. We've been really actually, actually on, on, on a... You know, on a day-to-day basis, we've been taught how to judge people instead of love people. And judge people based on their actions instead of love them in spite of who they are or maybe even things that they do. Um, we can give 101 reasons why we shouldn't look past something in someone's life and, and choose to love them anyway. We can, we, there can be all kinds of reasons why we don't do that. And, and not only are we justified, but that justification is like set in concrete. In other words, we're absolutely convinced that we've been put on this earth to make sure that people don't get away with stuff. So, that's why we need to talk about this. Amen? Amen? Title of today's message is, subtitle to the nature of love, is the ultimate sacrifice. And um, we're just going to go through a few scriptures and look at a few things and just continue to really, I I really believe that this this whole series is, is foundation. It's all a, a foundational setting. But what I'm going to give you today at the end of this teaching, the last part of it, is the key, the key, the key to maintaining a walk of love. So you can, you can hear this message and kind of be challenged from week to week because I'm talking about it, but then when we quit teaching on this, out of sight, out of mind, and then, well, you know, yeah, I know I should do that, but well, but but how do we maintain it? How do we stay with it? How do we make it a part of our life? And so I'm going to give you, I believe, a key that the Bible talks about to maintaining the love walk. So look at Matthew 22, and we're going to read from starting with verse 36. 
Jesus was talking to a group of people, and um, one of them said, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, You love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Verse 40 in the Amplified says, On these two commandments sum up and upon them depend all of the law and the prophets. When you break that down, what it's saying is that these two commandments sum up all commandments. When people think of commandments, they think of the Ten Commandments, but there's over 600 commandments in the Bible. But all of those commandments and what they represent are summed up and they actually rely on these two commandments today. That means that we have have a command and it's a responsibility, but yet it's a choice to learn to love God with all of our heart and then to love our neighbor with that heart that we love God with. To love God with all of our heart, mind, and soul, and then to love our neighbor who is everybody else than ourselves. We're we're to love everybody else with that heart. You're not going to love people if you don't know love. So you have to know love who is God to be able to know love then how to love other people with that love. So... The Bible actually says that the commandments of God are not grievous. They're not a burden. Actually, they're liberating. Especially when you realize there's only two. Everything else is summed up in these two commandments that you love God. In other words, you have to learn to love God. You're not going to just love God if you don't know God. And we have to progressively be in a place where we're getting to know God more and more all the time. So we love God, and then we love our neighbor. We love everybody else other than ourselves with the love with which we love God with. <clears throat> Romans 13. And verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the whole law. See, the whole law is summed up in that you love your neighbor as yourself as you're loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there's any other commandment, which is over 600 of them, are all summed up in this saying, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 10, love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. See, if you you walk around with a law mentality, and I've I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, And I've got to do this, because if I don't do this, then God's going to be mad at me. 
If I don't do this, then God's not going to love me if I don't do this. See, all of those laws that many times people walk around with and feeling like they will never measure up, and you won't. You'll never keep all the laws. No way. All of those things are fulfilled when you learn to love God, who is love, and then you learn to treat people the way that you believe God would. See, because if I, get, if, I, if I live my life according to the standard of God, right, and I treat people according to His standard, then all those other requirements that I think I have to keep, He said, are all summed up in doing that. I don't know about you, but if there's over 600 commandments, and all He's telling me to focus on is two, everybody say two. I like two versus 600. How about you? Amen? All the others are summed up in that. See? Because, and, and we'll look at it, and, and I'll reinforce it with these next few verses of Scripture, because here's the deal. When you love, you can't hate. Jealousy is all swallowed up in love. Bitterness is all consumed in love. You know, trying not to be bitter, trying to forgive, trying to, all those things, all that swallowed up in the development of the love of God inside of me and then practicing it on other people. Then you, you get so consumed with that that those other ways in your life become a thing of the past. Yeah, it sounds kind of easy, but is it as easy everybody be doing it? And if you notice out there, not everybody's just really busy at loving everybody, right? You just notice that in, in the world because they don't know God. You can't love if you don't know love. You have to know Him, be, be totally wrapped up in Him. The more you get to know Him, the more you get to know Him because you can't begin to taste of Him and want other things. Just the way it works. When I got born again, nobody told me that. I just thought, well, I'll get born again and kind of just show up for a while. You know, I had other motives and why I was showing up to church. And so I just show up for a while. But what happened was I got to know him and then I wanted to know him more. Then I hung out with him more, and I got to know him, and then I, got, I wanted to know him more, and then I wanted to know him more, and before I knew it, man, I wasn't doing any of the things that I used to do, and none of my friends wanted to hang around me because all I wanted to talk about was God. But they didn't tell me that was going to happen. I just thought I was going to kind of play around with it for a while, something new to deal with, and then, then continue on with my life and do what I was doing. They didn't tell me it was going to work like that, but it works like that. Because the more you taste it, the more you want it. Hmm? See, if somebody comes to me and they say, Pastor, we know you like banana pudding. We want to make you some. Well, see, I've tasted real banana pudding. So you can tell me you're going to bring me some, but i got to taste it first. And then when I taste it, and if it's the real stuff, I want more of it. 
It's the way it is with God. Hmm? And he won't add pounds. Amen. <laughs> right? So, last week we talked about, we read out of 1 Corinthians 13, which is, it's, it's, it's the nature of love, and, it, and it's how love works. Love is kind. Love is patient. You know, love is not boastful. It doesn't draw attention to itself. It's not self-seeking. It doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. That's how love works. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. But that doesn't mean that you do any of those things. That means that love does, but if you get to know God and God becomes a part of your life, then what happens is you start, you start making the changes where you start being kind where there's people that are being unkind. You start being, you start being patient where impatience is, is what you did in the past. You start sowing you know, unselfishness instead of everything having to be about you. See, the more you get to know God, that's where you practice those things because 1 Corinthians 13 is what we have to constantly remind ourselves of is how God works. That's how it works. Love is never impatient. Say never. That settles it. Love is never not kind. Ever. Love is never self-seeking. So the more I get to know this kind of kindness, the kinder I'll be. The more I get to know this type of patience, which is part of the nature of God, and it's how He works, then the more patience I operate in, the more I seek after the one who has absolutely no selfishness, then I begin to lay down self-centered attitudes and become an unselfish person. Right? That's where we have to practice. Um, There's a verse, I just want to throw this one in there. There's a verse in Ephesians 4. I may not have given you guys this verse in the back there. But it's Ephesians 4 and 16. And it says this. This is talking about the body. In verse 15 it says, But speaking the truth in love that we may grow up in all things into Him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love or in God. So, we're to speak the truth of love. We're to speak kind things. We're to, we're to speak words of patience and unselfishness and all these kind of things. We're to speak the truth of love so that we can grow up. So, where you're not walking in love, there's an immaturity. There's an immaturity in our lives where we're not walking in love, and so God's wanting us to grow up. But He's wanting us to grow. He's wanting all the parts to grow together. So really, really what he's, he's looking for is that we practice this love walk with one another. Like right here. You're part of this 
congregation of people. God wants you to walk in love with the people that are closest to you so we can make a difference out there. The Bible says people will know that God is real when they see the love that we walk in. People will see that the love of God is real when they see us walking in love. God's intent is that the people closest to you in your own family, in your church world, people that you work on the job with, that you see every day, that you practice that love with them on a day-to-day basis. You practice the kindness. You say, yeah, but pastor, you don't know what they've done. No. So practice. Practice. Choose to act a certain way towards someone in spite of what they do that you wouldn't normally do. Practice. Practice makes what? Perfect. I believe that. So, to work the love of God, you have to lay your life down for others, like, you know, as Jesus did. And, and, and I believe this truth, that it's easier to die physically than it is to lay down your living life on a day-to-day basis. Well, I, I don't know about that. Well, because you can just give up physically. And you're gone. But to die daily is something that's different and that is foreign. And even that phrase, die daily, is like a foreign phrase or a foreign word. We have to learn to lay our life down for other people the way that Jesus did. And, and to just, you know, to back that up, we have to look at what the Scripture says. Look at Luke 6. And let's look at some things that Jesus said about this. These are pretty powerful statements. I used to overlook all these. When I'd read the Bible, I'd, I'd just kind of brush over this. Oh, that's not for me. That's for somebody else. And I literally used to overlook this, this whole passage in every, in, in every book that it's mentioned. In fact, I think it's mentioned in all four of them. But Luke 6 and 27, this is what Jesus says. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who spitefully use you. Okay. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. From him who takes away your coat, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. From him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. And if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners and receive much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, 
just as your Father is also merciful. I mean, you know, in the natural, you might think that, you know, maybe there was this one time that Jesus just like took a spiritual break and missed it or something when he was reading this. I was actually on, I was in Israel and I was actually on and stood right supposedly in the place. that They know, they know actual facts and they know, then they, there's things they'll tell you, we're not sure if it was here, but it was the actual mountain where he read this. And uh, I was standing there thinking, you know, what he was looking at and what he was dealing with and the people that he was dealing with. It's easy, it's easy to be kind to people that are kind to you. But in actuality, what he's saying here is never say anything bad about anybody. Never expect anything in return from people that even take advantage of you. Someone needs something, give it to them, and don't expect anything in return. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, he covers everything here about life, and what he's saying is, I want you, I want you to practice on people like you're going to never get anything. But what will happen is, if you'll do what I tell you to do, your blessing will come in ways that you have no idea how it will come. Things will happen in your life in favor, and opportunities will come your way. Because, because if someone, if someone, if you're on the job and someone has talked bad about you, and you know they did. They went to the boss and they lied to the boss about you to try to get you fired, and you know they did. Jesus says you have an opportunity to choose to bless them anyway, choose to not put your mouth on them and speak against them, and take the high road and watch what I'll do in the midst of your behalf. Because see, he said, if you leave the judging to me, then people will get the, their just reward for what they do. It doesn't mean if somebody's gone to the boss and lied about you that it's right. God just saying, don't take it into your own hands to fix it. If you let me handle the thing, I can handle it a whole lot better than you could. But see, we're not taught that. And some of you are sitting there thinking, pastors lost it. But, you know, I'm just telling you what he said. These kind of things are difficult because our natural mind can figure out how that we can get the upper hand by actually doing to them what they did to us. Well, that's not true. They, they said, they, they lied, and so I'm going to justify myself. You don't have to. God will take care of you. And, and situations will come your way, maybe before you get out of this building today, Situations will come your way where you'll have an opportunity to do that very thing. Stuff will come your way and you'll, you'll, you'll choose. Am I going to walk in love in this situation? I'm going to take the high road? Or am I going to take the low road and get wrapped up in all the natural stuff and the flesh and the bickering and the fighting and hating people and all that kind of stuff? And, and what good is that? See, the world does that. But godly people, Christian people, see... We're, we're, we're to learn, we're to practice this stuff and learn to take the high road and learn to believe the best in other people. What would happen if, let's just say a situation like that happened, okay? And let's say that, let's say that you had this impression 
on the inside of you to do something good to that person that lied to the boss about you. Let's just say God said, you know what? I want you to, it's Christmas time coming up, and I just want you to give, go and buy them some kind of really good gift. Find out what's something they'd like and take it to them. I mean, what, what do you think it would do to somebody if you did something nice? And let's say that they took it and threw it on the ground and crushed it right in front of your face. Then what are you going to do? And, and you continue to love. Because see, love never fails. See, love always wins, and it causes you to win in every situation. But it's just what, 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 the way it looks and the way it appears to be right now is what most people judge. And so I'm not winning, and those ungrateful, you know, I tried what pastor said, but it didn't work, and they crushed that thing right in front of my face, and now what am I going to do? Now we have a choice to continue to take the high road and continue to believe for the good of other people. Because if we don't, how are people's lives ever going to be set free? How will this person that would lie about you, all they're going to do is start lying about other people. What if you became the one that was laying your life down for them so that they could be liberated from whatever this problem was in their life? Just a thought, you know? I'm not saying it works that way every single time, but just a thought because I've seen it happen because I've done things like that. And have taken the high road in situations like that. And it's amazing what can happen. But, but see, see, if we're practicing the love of God on a day-to-day basis in these kind of things, what's happening is it's becoming a part of us. And the more you practice it, and the more you choose to believe the best of people instead of the worst, and the, and the, the more you learn to shut your mouth and not talk about people but pray for people, the more that things begin to change. And, and that's what the world's waiting for. On, the, on the, these two commandments, that you love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and that you love your neighbor as yourself, on these two commandments hang everything else. You know what that says to me? I see, I see something in the Word that commissions me to be a tither. Okay, So for over 34 years, Becky and I have been tithers. We've honored God with a tithe for over 34 years. But do you realize that the blessings that come to the tither, that I can shut those blessings down by walking outside of love? Just using that as an example. You know, the Bible says that by the stripes of Jesus I was healed and healing was paid for for me. It's a promise all through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. But you realize I can shut the process down when I choose not to deal with unkindness, and selfishness, and attitude that I have toward other people. One of the translations in, in one, of the, one of the attributes of the nature of love is, is rudeness. Man, we live in a society of rude people. Hmm? And all of us are rude at different times, right? All of us have attitude at different times because we think we have the right to. And, and all God's looking for is a desire to change and practice the opposite of these things that we're talking about. Every opportunity you have to be rude and treat somebody in a rude way, God just wants you to practice the opposite of it. See, you're not going to just overnight change. You're not going to hear one message today on this and just everything's going to be changed. You just learn to take one thing and start practicing. And the more you practice it and it becomes a part of you, you're going to treat people in other ways. Amen? Well, it's the truth.
Now look at John, just a few more verses, and then I want to give you the key to maintaining this on a day-to-day basis. John 13 and verse 15. Jesus said this, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. If you do what? If you heed to his example. And one of the examples that he gave us is what I just read you in Luke, to love your enemies. To do good to those who despitefully use you. Choose to take the high road instead of the low road. Choose to to do something opposite than do something that is exactly what they've done to you. As we choose these things and we choose his example, he said in that 17th verse, blessed are you if you do them. Say, I receive that. Then look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16, and verse 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and he loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his own soul? For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. So we see here where he he said, What profit is it if a man gains the whole world but loses the fight of his soul? What is it profit? Nothing. And you know, where the fight is in walking in love is in your head. So your head wants to talk you out of walking in love. Your head wants to try to justify why you can stand up for something. Or why you can put your mouth on someone else. You know, I had a person one time tell me, well, you know, Pastor, you, you, uh, I, it was during a time when I was teaching this series years ago, and somebody said to me, you know, so, so what, we can't, we can't ever talk? I said, it might do you well. <laughs> I mean, you're talking so much now and saying so many things about other people, it might do you good just shut up for a month. Yeah, well, we can't just not talk. We'll find something good to say. It's amazing. And the challenge I'm going to give you at the end of this series is a a 30-day challenge on marking down and writing down everything that you say. It's a pretty stiff challenge. The deal is, most of us don't know how much that we negatively speak against other people. You have no clue. Have no clue. I'm telling you. I'm telling you because the first time I ever did it, I was shocked. I was teaching the series. I was shocked. 
at how many things I'd say on a day-to-day basis about other people. And, and anymore, you can ask my wife, I mean, because, you know, she knew how I was before and the way I am today. I mean, it's very rare for me to say something out of my mouth in a negative way toward other people. When I do, I'm quick to repent. I, I, I don't want to be a part of that. I've, I've tasted of the life on this side where I don't need to talk bad about other people. But the key that I'm fixing to give you here after I read this one verse of Scripture is going to really knock you out. But first, Ephesians 4. And then I'll give you this key. Ephesians 4. In verse 32. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, remember this is a letter, so it's not... This is a whole letter. It's not chapters. It's a letter. He said, verse 32 of the fourth, the last verse of the fourth chapter said, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. See, if if you're developing a relationship with God and you're loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul, right, then you're able to be tenderhearted and kind and forgiving other people. So he said, therefore, in verse 1, Be imitators of God as dear children. Walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God that smells really good. Be imitators and walk in love as Christ loved us. So you have to know how Christ loved you to turn around and demonstrate and offer that sacrifice of laying your life down for other people by loving them in spite of them. I'm going to say it again. Loving people in spite of them. Not, not ignoring and saying, well, you know, they didn't do that. Yeah, they did that. Well, they didn't mean it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They meant it and they did it and they did it because they don't know any better. Yeah? On the cross, Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I'm telling you, people don't know what they're doing. When, 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 I, when I operated out of love on a day-to-day basis in my life, I operated because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't realize what I was actually doing on a day-to-day basis. But when I came to a realization of what I was doing, as I began to practice the opposite, I began to stop doing the other stuff. You don't just stop doing the other stuff. You replace it with something good. You replace the, 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 the set of habits that are ruled by the world's way of thinking with a set of habits that are ruled by God's Word and what He says is right. Loving your enemies makes absolutely no sense. Forgiving those who have despitefully used you, in the natural, it, doesn't, it, it makes your mind go tilt. How can you do that? Why would you even want to do that? Just because God said. Only because God said. If we're going to believe the Word, we're going to believe it from Genesis to Revelation and not overlook those certain chapters like I used to. Amen? Amen. So, the key to maintaining the love walk is interceding for people. 
Turn to Hebrews 7 and verse 25. The key to maintaining the walk of love is to intercede for people. To intercede for people. Chapter 7 of Hebrews in verse 25. Therefore, he is also able, Jesus who is our high priest, that's what the, the context here is, he is able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. one thing to know that people are praying for you, but it's another thing to know that He intercedes for us. They, they, people will come to salvation because He ever lives to intercede. People that you come in contact with that are part of your life that are around you will come to a place of making changes in their life if you'll intercede for them. I want you to think about a couple things that I just wrote down here. True prayer and intercession opens the door. Listen to me. It opens the door. It opens the door to the revelation of how to walk in love. Praying for people instead of putting your mouth on people. Putting God's words on people instead of putting your unrenewed mind words on people. Is what opens the door in how to walk. You say, well, how do you pray for people? I don't understand how to pray for people. Well, what if you just said, God bless them until you learn something else? God, I forgive them because the way Jesus said that they don't know what they're doing, I believe this person doesn't know what he's doing, so I forgive them. And your head could be screaming out thinking that's the stupidest thing I've ever said. But there's no better way to get it started than just start. Find something from God's Word to speak over other people. Find something... As you're connecting with people and you're in, in connect groups here in the body, ask people, you know, how, how do you pray for this one? How do you speak over? way we do, and, and if you don't have any of the little prayer books that we give out, it's a great way to take something and just speak something, read Scripture over people's lives. It opens the door for you to have greater understanding in how to walk in love when you choose to put God's Word on people instead of putting unrenewed words on people. You will actually fall in love with people that you're praying for in spite of their actions. And I can tell you, I can tell you, I don't know how many times over that that's true and it works. And what will happen is, as you start praying for people that you don't want to pray for, 
You start speaking good things over them instead of ugly things over them. What will happen is you'll start having a passion for those people and you'll overlook what they're doing. You'll look beyond their actions and look to their heart. And what God will show you, God will never give you things to gossip about other people. God will never give you something about someone else to, you know, pray in a prayer group so that someone else can hear it and you're kind of leaning towards judgment toward them. Those aren't prayers. It'll never work that way. But in your own quiet time, God will give you things that will help someone else. God may even show you the more you do that. He may even show you something to pray that will be deliverance for them, but they'll never know that you know anything about it. Only when you can be trusted with that kind of stuff will you begin to pray. And I'm telling you, first time I ever saw someone praying and they were weeping and crying when they were praying, I was thinking, man, I guess I don't pray. I'm not crying. One of the first persons I asked that, they told me, said, you know, the weeping comes from you being convinced that it works. And, and it just happens. I mean, right now, I can just think about intercession. And, and I feel tears like welling up in my eyes. I mean, if I let myself, I could start, <laughs> I could start crying right now. Just thinking about interceding. Thinking of some of the people. Some of the people that are that God has put in my life to be there, to, to be an intercessor and to stand in the gap for their lives. The last couple of days I was with some family members and, and just had this opportunity to be with them. They invited me to come to something and I, went, I was there with them. And, and, and oh my gosh, their lives. I mean, you know, sometimes you get away from certain things, but I mean, it's just their lives are just so wrapped up in so much stuff. And it's, and it's killing them within, but, but you got to be there, and you got to accept them, and you got to love them in spite of them, and, and, and you spend all day with them, and man, I'm telling you, sometimes it can wear you out, but, but there was something, there was something down inside of me. My spirit man was weeping for their salvations. For their, how are they going to know the side of God if they don't get it from you? And how, how are they going to know if you don't just accept them? They won't want to be around you if, you if you jam them up for everything that they do that you don't do or they live and, they, and, and language they have or, you know, how they drink or do whatever other drugs or whatever. I mean, if you judge everything about their life, if you judge everything about them, they'll never want you around. But I was with them for one day. That was at some event that they were at. And I get, a, I get a Facebook message, personal Facebook message from one of them, a family member of mine. And he says, it just ain't the same today without you. I really miss you. He's, he's never said that before. But man, I can, I can, I've been able since the other day to pray for them. You know, pray for him. Pray for his deliverance and pray for good things in his life and put the word of God on him. I mean, I could, I could sit up here or I could sit around with other people and tell you about him. Oh, you can't believe what they do. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, man, oh, 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 oh. You can go on and on and on. And what's that going to do? Absolutely nothing. 
And you say, yeah, but pastor, you don't know this. Okay, I don't know the situation, but God does. And work it out. Learn to be kind. Work out what kindness looks like in your situation. Learn to be patient with people and what that looks like. Your patient situation isn't like my situation, but I'm telling you, God knows your situation, and Jesus died and he ever lives to make intercession for every human being on the planet. And if he'll pray for them, we need to learn to pray. You know, and he needs us in the earth to do the praying and the believing and the standing and the not giving up for people. Did you hear what I said? But intercession and prayer unlocks the door for you in how to walk in love. I don't know how, I just know it happens. And I've seen it happen over and over and over and over and over again. And you know what? After. 35 plus years of walking with God, I have no excuse. I have no excuse. I have no, not one opportunity that will come my way to walk out of love. Do I? Yep, at times. But I'm quick to repent. Because I, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. Shut my mouth, you know. But I row a duct tape up and down my mouth and wrap it around my head and shut my mouth and you say, well, you know, we're not supposed to talk. Don't. I mean, take a month and shut up. It's amazing what can happen in the walk in developing love if we just don't talk. Amen? Almost done. Galatians um, 5, 6 says, faith works by love. And I wrote this down. If you develop faith, if you develop faith, and you operate in faith without intercession or without prayer, then, it, then your faith becomes selfish. And all you exercise your faith for is you. But you will grow spiritually to new levels as you develop faith and exercise your faith for the good of others and not just the people that are kind to you, but the people that are unkind. People that irritate you and frustrate you. If you'll exercise the faith that you're growing in from God's Word on the lives of others that are difficult, then what happens is your faith doesn't, is not about you, but your faith is for the good of humanity, and that's God's plan. Amen? God's already taken care of you. We have to develop faith for ourselves on a day-to-day -day basis so that we're strong for others. God's already taken care of you. And the more you try to take care of yourself and focus everything on yourself, you screw it up. And we need to be set free of that. <clears throat> so intercession is a win-win for everybody. The people you're praying for and the revelation that's coming to you because you're learning and desiring to intercede for the good of others. Amen? And I want to leave you with this. Romans 8 <clears throat> In verse 34. 
Who, who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God? Who also makes intercession for us? Jesus. Who shall separate us? Watch this. Who shall separate you or I from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or all those other things or anything else, in other words? Shall any of those things separate you from the love of Christ, from the sacrifice that He laid down? Well, the answer to that is only if you let it. And the way that you'll allow that to is that you don't draw closer to God. If you don't develop a relationship with God, then, you, then, then situations will separate you from love. They will. But if you draw closer to God, who is love, then nothing can separate you because look at verse 37. Yet, in all these things... We are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Watch what Paul says. I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able, shall be able, shall be able. Nothing shall be able to separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. Paul said, Paul said here, I am persuaded. I'm convinced. I've walked this thing out. I've practiced it. I've, I have sown the love of God into unlovely situations. I've chosen to be kind when I didn't want to be kind. I've chosen to be patient when I didn't want to be patient. I've chosen to, to not be rude when it's my standard to be rude. I've chosen to take the high road instead of the low road. And he said, I'm persuaded that nothing, nothing is going to separate me from this walk of love. Nothing. And you know what? I, I'm, I'm just saying this to you. I'm saying this to you. Because there are certain things that maybe I couldn't stand up here and say to you, but I can tell you today, I'm just like the Apostle Paul in that deal. I'm persuaded that nothing, no matter what, I didn't say I'd do it perfectly. I'm just saying, if I get off of it, I get back on it. If I find myself saying something, the moment the Holy Spirit arrests my soul and, and convicts me about what it is that I'm doing, boom, I come right back to it. And I've learned to use the word, I repent. And sometimes when I've done something two or three or four or five times, it's like the Holy Spirit saying to me, you're not repenting because to repent is to turn. And so I'm not going to use that word loosely and lightly, so I'll just say, Lord, I apologize for what I'm doing. I'm getting to the bottom of this. I don't know why I keep jumping back here and coming back to this thing and doing this again and again. I repent to you because I want nothing to stand in the way of what the love of God produces. It produces hope. 
It never fails. It produces endurance. It it enables me to believe the best of all people at all times, no matter what the circumstances are. I want to live that life. You know why? Because people are drawn to you. People are drawn to you. See, the thing that we underestimate, you know, we think that a lot of people will think that giving in to something or laying your life down for someone else is a weakness, and actually it's a strength because it causes you to be in a position to help those people. That's why you have to intercede for people. That's why you've got to put the Word of God on people instead of putting your own words from unrenewed situations on people. You've got to make the change, and if you don't develop the change, you're going to stay in the same place. And you can be developing faith, and you can be confessing the promises of God, But I'm telling you what, walking outside of the love of God is a seed robber. And it'll pull up seeds that you have sown, and it'll pull up promises that you know of God's Word, and and, and almost make you feel like you're powerless to receive what God wants to do for you. Because actually, He's already done it all for us. God's already done it all for us. And what robs us of what rightfully belongs to us is walking out of the love of God. I'm absolutely, absolutely, absolutely convinced that this is true. Today, I want you to take these words, these last three messages, and I have two or three more. depends on how long it takes me to get through it. I've got two or three more of these, and in my last message, I've got a challenge that I'm going to give you to walk out for 30 days. And, and if you'll do that for 30 days, I mean, in the natural, they say you can change something in 21 days. You can change a habit in 21 days just in the natural without depending on the power of God and trusting in the power of God to make the difference in your life. You can do it just in the natural. You can change something if you'll do something for 21 days. Most people can't make it past the fourth day. But with God, we can do all things. Can you say amen to that?